Welcome to At The Counter, the show that takes the conversations had at the counter of your local comic book store and brings them to the internet. And for the record, we're, we're sorry. sorry. I'm Marcus Antea. And I'm Christian Kenty. We're coming to you from the Frugal Dutchman, a kind of nerdvana here in lovely Ridgeway, Ontario. It's a comic book, action figure, gaming, antique, and all-around nifty store. I'm a random customer who's a big nerd from way back. And I'm the store owner. And we've been having these conversations for years with other people dropping in and out to add points, and we've decided to share them with you. So take a trip with us down the nerdy rabbit hole to overhear the conversations that happen at, at the, the counter. counter. Okay, so the topic for today, Christian, is... Huh? No. <laughs> what? Hey, Davey. Uh, yeah, no, today's topic, we're talking about board games, uh, because we love talking about board games. Board games are one of my favorite topics, honestly. We, we cover a lot of TV and movies on this podcast, but when we talk about board games... We start to get a little deep. Yeah, it, it's great. Um, because you can't refute my opinions on it. <laughs> it's my opinion. Today we're going to talk about game elements, so like the pieces from games, or like particular game mechanics that you find fascinating or interesting or really like. Um, whether it's something in that game that brings you back to playing it, or it can be a complete crap game and you just really like that piece. Um, <laughs> okay. So... Um, I could start you off with one with the game Pieces anyways. All right. There was a really piss-poor game called uh, Attack the Death Star in the 80s. But the coolest (laughs) thing about it was they had little bases that had three little slots in it. And you could put three X-Wings into the thing. And when they got killed, you'd pull an X-Wing off. Those were, A, that's where I fell in love with the X-Wing was those kind of games. I love the X-Wing as a, as a fighter. But the fact that you could pull off, like Wedge would peel off and go away, Biggs would be destroyed, Luke could keep going. It was the fact that the puzzle, or the puzzle piece, the playing piece had lives. It was dynamic. Well, yeah. it was dynamic, but it had lives. Like you, you lost three lives, you were gone, somebody else had to do the Death Star run. Yeah. And so it was really fun. And, but, so the game itself was not a great game, but I loved those little pieces. Yeah, it, uh, the Escape the Death Star game was not... Yeah, it, from gameplay, it was, it was rough, but it got by on the fact, especially now, if you were to play it, it doesn't hold up, but you're so nostalgic about it, you don't care. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it just gets by on that Star Wars and franchise I'm thing. I'm pretty sure those were all put out by cool. Kenner. Uh, Which was odd. Yeah. Because uh, Kenner didn't really do board games, but they had the license for the license Star Wars. For they, had, they had to do everything they could with that license. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of people got their back up against the wall about dealing with Star Wars stuff. Because Kenner didn't want to let anybody touch that exclusive license they way underpaid for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because... You know, all these big companies had turned their back on Star Wars, and so they just turned, you know, Kenner got really, really defensive about it. Right. Um, may or may not have hurt the company long run. You know, ended up having to be sold to Hasbro. Anyway, I would say so. Kenner's not around anymore, so that tells you something. <laughs> sure it is. They got bat- bought by the Hassenfelds. <laughs> Still not in, a, in uh, legitimate <laughs> use anymore. Very fair point. Uh Betrayal's a big one for us. We've we've played a ton of Betrayal lately, and um, because we're playing Legacy, Betrayal is both of these categories. Absolutely, the pieces are really interesting. Yeah, particularly some of the ones in the Legacy. Yeah, well, it, Legacy took a a game Betrayal being a really really solid concept game in the first place. And easily one of my favorites. Yep. And which is funny for me because I'm not a like horror is not the it, it's not really the the genre I buy in a lot for. But this one got me because the gameplay was so phenomenal, um, and the dynamic of it, and and the replayability, and never knowing what's going to happen. Uh, you know, getting that kind of perfect mix between strategy and randomization. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's that every plan you make gets a wrench, 
but it's such a good wrench. <laughs> yeah. Well, the right? the, the two parts Legacy of the Legacy took that to a whole other level. The two right? parts of the basic gameplay are the fact that um, the things I like the most is so it's a tile laying game, yep. but the tiles are not just pick a tile, put a tile like you do in Carcassonne. There are tiles that only work upstairs, only work downstairs, so you have to work your way through the tiles to create the house. But the part that I like, even though it's poorly designed in the original game, yeah. I like the fact that you get a player card and there are sliders on the player card. Yeah. The functionality of the <clears throat> thing didn't work properly because the design of the little pips to move up and down the sliders wasn't good. Um, Which I had somebody create um, yeah. colored uh, brackets and pips for that for the original game. Yeah. Which I ended up giving to a friend of mine because he used it more than I did, so I lost them. But they, uh, the wonderful age of three D printers. Three D printing is an amazing <laughs> thing. It's just gr- wonderful. As um, I sit anxiously waiting for my door. <laughs> We're all anxiously <laughs> waiting for your printer. Um, but there's also a large number of tile tokens. Of yep. things that happen. There's a big variety of things happening in this game. And and the beauty being that it can be a game that goes really fast and you're done in like you know, you're you're at the haunt in three rounds, or it can be a game that goes really long and gets arduous and, and builds that toughness into itself by having to figure out this house. Right. right. So that's the but that's now we're getting into the mechanic part of it. The the part the the parts part or the yeah. bits part it's got some really neat uh, innovations and some fun stuff, as well as older mechanics. But the mechanic that makes this one pop to the top of the list is the fact that it's two separate games played at the same time. Absolutely. The first game you're exploring, the first other game you're exploring, working as a team to open everything up. The part that is the interesting part is that in most games, if there's a quote-unquote bad guy, it's like Among Us. Yeah. Nobody really knows who the bad guy is except the bad guys. In this game, nobody knows who the bad guy is. You are all good guys until such a time as you are no longer a good guy. And that happens in the course of the game mechanic that once the haunt is triggered, uh, somebody becomes a betrayer and they have to leave the group, learn what their role is and how they're going to try and win and the other guys trying to see how they can win and then you come back together and fight again so the fact that you don't know who the bad guy is means everybody's working together to do the right to make it right and make it big and make it fun and then it switches and one of you becomes well it becomes this really controlled chaos once the haunt hits yeah it is is definitely so i've played more as a non-haunt right as a non-betrayer than i have as a betrayer i think i've been a betrayer like three times yeah in the numerous amounts of time in betrayal, I have or in legacy, I haven't actually been the betrayer in that game. Yeah, the first one I took because of what it was, and I'm not going to spoil the game for you because that's just a terrible thing to do uh, <laughs> with that version of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the way it was set up, that's just I came down technically in the betrayer seat, but not technically. Yeah, um, and we'll leave it at that. But from the team aspect, team side of things, the controlled chaos that in that's involved because you're trying to talk to each other about what's going on, but you don't know how much the other guy knows and he doesn't know how much you know, and you don't want to let on what you know and you don't want him to know what he doesn't know. And, and the, the circle of insanity that ensues from that um, also compounded with the, okay, we got to do this thing. All right, this is the plan. And then it gets disrupted by the, Oh no, Oh no, Oh no, Oh no. <laughs> something happens when you go through that and a lot of the time (laughs) a lot of the time it's not one person it is one person's betrayer but they end up getting a whole whack of minions so it's not just four people against one person in the game it could be four against 50 depending on four against a puppet master yeah exactly um, and that has its own advantages having control of a complete side of the board like that against people who are working together and you've also been working together with people, so you already know all the secrets. Exactly. You know where you know the know secret exits you know are. You know what they have. You know what they're doing. So, it's a very, it's a very interesting game. Yeah. That I, I, it's it's unlike most other games that we're aware of. Yeah. 
with the exception of the domino style of tile laying, everything else about it is new. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, I I was just thinking about Avalon and Resistance um, as one. I'm skipping down to the bottom of the list. Okay. I, I would also <laughs> put Mafia in there because yeah. it's all Mafia's the same, same game. Same idea. And Werewolf. I love the mechanic of that. Mm. Um, and I don't find, and and maybe I haven't had the right groups for it. I don't find Werewolf to have that quite the same social economy that the others do. Um, it might be because of the murder. Yeah, and I think that's where it kind of comes down. Is you're basically everybody's on the defensive all the time. Yeah. Whereas with the other ones, you're very much trying to play the character, right? Uh, with with Avalon and the Resistance, you're trying to play into the character of the righteous and and. Oh no! Of course, I couldn't have done anything wrong. This is why I totally did that thing, which was, and you're totally wooling people half the time. Oh yeah, um, but it gives you that. I, I know when we played it with the youth a lot, the newer players would say this is like anxiety because why don't people believe me? I said because you're trying too hard to make them believe you. <laughs> <laughs> I said sometimes the most power and and it totally depends on the group, but sometimes the most powerful thing to do in Avalon is to just sit and let people dig their own holes, right? As if you're one of the one of the minions is. Yeah, I'm going to let everybody else talk, and I'm going to put in my point if I'm pointed at, right? No, no, no. I went on that quest. I succeeded that. That one succeeded, Yeah, right? <laughs> you know? Well. Um, um, and, and playing the social angle of people is really, really fun. And Werewolf is the same, but it gets better if you play with the same group of people over and over again. Oh, absolutely. Because then the social stuff, you're like, oh, okay, you're a really you good liar, so I don't feet. trust you. Well, and that's, that's it, too. And that's why, like, in, in the other ones, too, in any social economy game, always play different from game to game. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if in one round I'm being that aloof, I'm going to be quiet about this. In another one, I'm going to talk a lot. Um, and when you get people and, who yeah. are not realizing that uh, a friend of ours stopped playing for a while, because everybody figured out that when she's talking, she's a villager. <laughs> when she's being quiet, she's a werewolf. She so they out. would yeah. kill her off right away, like first round. Yeah. And she's like, well, I, now I got to sit and wait for 20 minutes yeah. or half an hour. If you got, like, I don't want to play anymore. Yeah. And we instituted the don't go after the big players first rule. Yeah. Um, because I moderate all the time. Mm -hmm. But if I play... I'm one of the first people kicked out because I'm a good player. Yeah. And they're like, well, I can't. But I'm like, I moderate every game. Now I have to sit out and not doing it. Like, yeah. And so a lot of us have that where we don't want to play it as much anymore. It's still a great party game when we have like 15 people. Although, I don't know when this is going to happen again, but we have a game of Werewolf Legacy started. Okay. And it is just as good, if not... <laughs> No, I'm going to say just as good so far as Betrayal. There's a big, thick family album that you fill out as you go down through the years. So it's the same sort of idea as the, the every 10, 15, whatever years. But it's a there's a big tome, yeah. literally a tome that you have to go through. And we played like the first three games one night um, because there's a ton of games. Yeah. But we haven't been able to get back together again because of global situation. And so we're waiting for us to be able to get back and do some more of it. But most of us don't. I don't even remember what the hell happened. Leg Legacy mechanic is one of my favorite mechanics. Yeah, I, that's a I'm, new thing, I'm too. I'm too in because uh, we've you and I play uh, Werewolf or not Werewolf. Uh, Betrayal. Betrayal Legacy together. And that's our uh, that's our once a month. And then uh, Matt and I and, and his <clears> wife and my wife uh, get together and play. We've started Machikora Legacy um, again. Really good game. I wouldn't quite put it up on the stack against Betrayal, but Betrayal has more buy-in in general. Yeah. Um, if you like Machikoro, you'll love Machikoro Legacy. Um, and we've started. We've started. We've only really done the one night, just because again we chose the worst time to start. And yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, coming into cold season during a pandemic is a really bad time to choose to start playing a monthly game. Uh, because scheduling and it's just gotten away. So we did two in our first one because that was the thing that with Betrayal we really struggled with was we did the first one, but that was like a prelude. Yeah. Right? It was kind of the forward, the setup, and we really wanted to play again, but we withheld. 
Um, and we probably could have gone into chapter We probably could have gone chapter one and gone ahead with it, but that's and, all right. Knowing that about Betrayal, <laughs> we got through the prelude in Majikoro. Okay, now we're playing episode two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but that's as far as we got. But it's still really good. Um, and since it you said takes your your strategy for a different turn on that too. Since you said Majikoro, I went on a, a mental train of thought that ended me up at uh, Tsuro. Okay. Or um, even more basic, Labyrinth. Okay. Now, Labyrinth is not the ball and the tilty wood table it's labyrinth. A it's a slider game where you take a, a there's a maze on the on the thing set up by tiles and you take the only extra tile and you shift the maze and that is a really neat mechanic because there's a ton of strategy but it's also completely screwed over by other people. Yeah. And I Suro and, and Labyrinth kind of play on the same mechanic. Yes. Labyrinth takes it to a better degree, I think, because it, it keeps the game going to a proper resolution, whereas Suro, you can kind of paint yourself into a corner. Yes. Um, Labyrinth takes it to, you're never out till you're out. And I kind of like that about games. I'm not big on elimination in, in board games. But uh, winner and done is, is generally yeah. more acceptable. Yeah. Um, There's a finite goal. Um, but they use the same sliding things. sliding tile yeah, mechanic, mechanic is what the yeah. point. Yeah. Um, Although Suro always plays into the it's not a sliding tile thing it's a layer tile and you're done, right? And so the path never changes. You have to see that far oh, ahead okay. in the game. Sorry. Uh, which I like about it as a mechanic is you have to really take your time and think through what you want to accomplish. But same idea, you can still get messed up by the, everybody else's turn which is what makes it dynamic. Uh, Labyrinth I like better just because the overall flow of the game is much, much How better. old is Labyrinth? Labyrinth oh, came Labyrinth out in the 80s, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was 80s. Because all because of a sudden... it was a response to an idea of a Dungeons & Dragons game. Right? Yeah, but all of a sudden it has had a resurgence and it it's getting skinned. Yeah. It's getting reskinned. There's a Harry Potter skin that I saw. Um, there was a Frozen, I think, one that I saw. Like they're, they're slapping a skin on... The, the, the game doesn't change, no. but they just have a new skin on it. They like, just realize this lends itself to a lot of things. Yes, for, at Christmas, just for Christmas, we found the Harry Potter one, and Victoria bought a copy of it because she loved. they loved our game. They borrowed our game and had it for months, and then they finally gave it back, and I knew her uh, stepfather was a little sad. So when I saw it at the store, I went, hey, you would want a Harry Potter. She's like, oh, my God. Oh, 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 oh. So, yeah. So, anyways, moving on. Uh, Doodle Dungeon is one we've, we've played recently. Doodle Dungeon is... You've only got one play on this. We've right? only got one play on it, but it is... I've got about three now. It's a complete and utter new thing. Yeah. I don't... Can't think of a single game mechanic that it steals from anything else. And I've not seen a game like that in a very, very long time. Everybody steals from everybody else. This mechanic works. Let's work it a little bit into this one. I like that part. We'll take from column A, column B, mix them together, change them up a bit. We got a new game. This game is completely and utterly new. Well, because in, in our design of things, which we're not going to name, uh, <laughs> but in, in the design work we've been doing, it literally started with discussion of mechanics, which is where this you know, podcast episode comes from, uh, because we talk about game mechanics all the time uh, and how they work and where we like them and where we don't. And you know, the idea of breaking something down into the mechanics of how it works, you know, the uh, you know, worker placement, uh, and being able to sit and go, okay, worker placement. What do you? What worker placements don't you like? Do you like that kind of thing, right? Oh, water, Lord's Waterdeep is really good. This is really good. Don't don't really love it in that so much, right? Um, and to sit through and kind of go through a list like that. Um, but when we started the design of what we were working on, we started with mechanics, yeah. right? We had we had basic concept. It wasn't a deep concept. <laughs> it became deeper, yeah. You know, and it tied in, but. 
it tied in around the mechanics, right? Does it, this mechanic make sense? Well, I like worker placement as a thing, or I like, <laughs> you know, card card based. I like when there's a little social economy, and we talked yeah. about the ups and downs of, of each of the mechanics, and then how do we tie those things together? Uh, Doodle Dungeon feels like it came from a different angle. It, yeah, it, it, it came from wanting to do. We're gonna create a completely new mechanic and base the whole game around it. And it's a phenomenal game. Yeah. Oh, it it's a great game. Is. For those of you who don't know, you draw a card, and on the card are icons. Yeah. And on a charted piece of graph paper that comes with the game, yeah. um, you have to draw onto the dungeon and create the dungeon by using a little template that you can. Uh, and the template is up. just a great piece. Oh, it too. is a good piece too. Um, I could maybe stand for it to be a bit thicker. Um, but other than that, I can't complain about it. It's, I mean, it's a great idea because the idea that would put you off of something like this, well, I'm not a great drawer. Yeah. Um, so there's like a, there's a template like that. you used to get in, in grade school where you got the ruler with the stencils oh of the things and the, the circles and the heart and whatever. And, all that, yeah. and you have one of those and it's got walls, treasure chests, goblins, orcs, and dragons. I miss anything? Uh, Walls, chest. No, it doesn't have chests. You don't draw the chests on. Uh, it's got walls, traps, goblins, traps. That's what orcs, I got. Sorry. Dragons. Yeah. And so by drawing these cards, you fill this dungeon with uh, good things and bad things. Yeah, you have to build the maze from start to finish of the dungeon and fill it with the traps and the creatures that are in each of them. And then within that, you hide treasure, which you keep track on a little pad separate. Um, you know, and the whole idea is that you want the hero who will go through your dungeon in phase two to, or in phase three to die. To die right? or He's at got least hearts along the bottom. Get out with HP, yeah. right? And you want to protect your treasure, right? And keep as many of your baddies alive. You want him, the, him to get the beat down, right? But the other nice part about the mechanic is once you create the dungeon, you pass it to a different player yeah, to that's, run that's through. That's phase two, right? That's phase two. They run through it or phase three, whatever it is. No, that's phase two. So you phase one is is your draft. Yeah. And that's that's about the only mechanic I would say that exists that existed before. Kind of. Even then, even then, it's still right? a completely so new version. You, uh, in order to figure out what you're going to draw in, you have to, uh, at the start of a round, you lay out the cards that have all the different things on them. And those will come into draft. It's draft and deck build. Yeah. Because that that deck comes into play in phase three, uh, where you're drawing and hand limiting and, and playing into things. So there are some minor mechanics, but the basic game concept is built around something I've never seen. Before, I've never seen before either. Right. And that's what drives the game. The rest of it is all secondary. Um but yeah, so having to also draft based on what you need now, but what you need later too, which which took that to a whole different uh, perspective. Because normally draft is you're drafting to build your deck, right? Your deck is as strong as your deck will be. This is the stuff you have. But this, you have to balance those two things. You've got to draft right? the stuff. The, the card's got two parts. The top yep. of the card is your four later stuff. Yep. And the bottom of the card is the things that you get to put directly in your dungeon. So you got to draw. You got to draw to draw. Yeah. You got to draw the card and then put the things on the bottom into your drawing doodle dungeon. But then you have the top card, which are your effect and your interrupts and that kind of thing to play for later. So you have to really balance what you're putting in with what you're going to be able to do later to mess with the heroes and like it's it's a really difficult and. It's a tough game. It's a it's, tough it's a game. game. that I struggle with, and you know, I'm no slouch, but there's so many different plans that have to go enacted, and then everything gets thrown into disarray when you realize you left a big hole in your dungeon. Yeah, people just walk right by everything or or whatever. And even as a guy drawing in phase two, you have to. You don't want to completely avoid all the monsters because that's where the treasure hides. Yeah. But you don't want to run through all of them, <laughs> and not especially not all of them in a row like we did. We played it wrong the yeah, first time played we played it. it so, uh, but anyway, so the doodle- worst part is that was the second time I had played, <laughs> <laughs> and we played it right the first time. Well, well, Doodle Dungeon is definitely a 
game changer. It's completely new. It is. It's it's a completely new thing, um, and I'm excited to see what else those guys come up with. Yeah, it, they're a newer uh, company, and, and right? Some, yeah, newer company. Uh, I can't see the name of the company from here. Oh, uh, no, no, no. It's a Pegasus Spiel. Oh, okay. Um, so not newer, newer. Uh, they've got some good titles under them, but this was, I, I think, from those designers in early design uh, and just something that's intriguing, right? Especially for a couple D&D nerds like us, too. I mean, that has a buy-in. But you don't have to be interested in that sort of thing to buy into this idea. Um, you know, it's kind of sandbox gaming on a card. Yeah. Right? Um, and if you're worried about elements of it, I mean, they're easily... It's got the pad and paper, which is kind of the downside. They double-sided the pages, but, you know... That Once has you run out, you run out. Once you're out, you're out. I would, you know, recommend going down to your local library and having them laminate it yeah. for a couple of them for you, and you're all set. Yeah, it's good to um, go for whenever. You know, and that'll last you for good, so... Um, yeah, uh, you had said Sushi Go. I want to I wanna know where you're going with that. Sushi Go is a really interesting mechanic because instead of draw and play, you get a hand, you have to pick something that you want to collect and hope that it comes your way, and then you pass what's left of the hand to your left. Mm. So the hands keep revolving, so you know that if I need to collect three nigiri, yeah. that... I know you don't collect nigiri, but if, if you three nigiri you wanted, you know that you've got one down, you get one from the second one, but you had two in your hands. So you got to wait for that hand to come around and hope nobody takes it just to mess with you. So there's a, there's a fair amount of strategy, a fair amount of luck, and a fair, fair amount of uh, enticing people to take other cards that you so you don't get the ones you want. It's a bit of a strategy built around deck building. It's a... And it's not deck building, it's per se. Not it's deck hand building. Yeah, but, it's hand building. But uh, sorry, not deck building. Drafting is what Drafting, yeah. Drafting mechanic. Um, and I love drafting as a mechanic. I think it lends itself to so many opportunities. Uh, right, but it's it, a great way to add some randomization into a game. But it's also super interesting that, A, you have to do collections of things. Mm. B, order matters. Yep. So if you have uh, wasabi... And then uh, Squid Nigiri, they create three times three, which is nine points. Yep. However, you have the Squid Nigiri, then you put down the Wasabi, you still only get three points because Wasabi has to go first. Mm -hmm. So it's a very difficult balancing act. But the fact that you don't draw up at the end of your hand and you just cycle the hands around, yep. I've not seen something like that before. That, that takes the drafting to another level like we said before it's it's yeah it's drafting that's got so much strategy involved and if you look at it in a in a crazy eights mindset imagine instead of drawing up or no sort of like a go fish say yeah instead of drawing up a card into your hand and hope you find something that matches everybody's only got the cards in their hand and that's it and you have to keep a card that you hope somebody else might eventually get to your hand so you can put a double down. Yeah. So there's no re-upping the thing. What's out on that first deal? That's the first round. And so, it's yeah, it's the idea of trying to, what came out of that deal, you want to get the best you can out of what's already on the table. Yep, and there's uh, no... There's a limited pool here. Yep. Everybody's fighting for the same thing. And the and, fact... And it takes the idea where... Going after the big point is not always your best point. Right, because if you have to collect, say, three shrimp, temporary shrimp, yeah. there may only be two available in the deck that you've and been dealt. There may only be there may be more than one person trying to do that collection at exactly. the table too. So the dynamic of that changes. Right? Um, taking having to take stock of playing the middle ground, right? Or sometimes playing the cheap points is the best way to go. Yeah, just keep because going. Because everybody else keeps canceling each other out. Nobody's <laughs> going after that cheap dig. I'm going to go for that one, right? And, and just at least bank something. Well, right? and then the house rule that we had to come, because we were playing it so often that we were like stupid bang, fast. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> So we came up with a mechanic that once you put it down... You put it face down. 
So you have and to you have to remember. Yeah, first yeah. of all, you have to remember what you're collecting. Yeah. Second of all, nobody else knows what you're Ooh. collecting, so they can't screw you over, or they can't go, "Well, he's already got two of those. I'm not going to get that, so I'm not going to do that." Yeah. It's completely blind, and if you grab the wrong thing, That's you're done. Right so it became a whole nother level above, and also the fact that there's only three rounds. Period. Yeah. You're done. You're done. Yeah. It's a finite game with a finite time. And it just, it's boom, 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 game over, who won? Yeah. So it's a nice quick filler. It's a nice quick starter. It just, it moves. It, and I said, with the blind drop, it's a whole different game. But that's a house rule, not a mechanic. But I mean, I mean, that's the beauty of house rules too, is that house rules have, they make the game what you need it to be. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if I'm designing a game, I really don't have a problem with somebody using house rules if they think it can be. I would love for people to tell me their house rules, right? Um, concept right. we've talked about. We talked about it in one of our Christmas casts. I the think. concept of what? Uh, <laughs> Sorry. Concept be, you're and you're new to concept, right? Relatively, yes. Relatively. I just learned it in the last six months or yeah. so. So concept I came across probably like five years ago and fell in love with it immediately. And then it fell off the radar for me. Not that I hadn't come back and thought about it or anything like that, but there was one specific friend I knew had it and we didn't play games with that person very often. So it never got brought to the table. Um, and I feel kind of bad about that actually. <laughs> it really makes you dwell on how much of a jerk you've been to some of your friends. Uh, <laughs> We never call this guy. Why don't we call this guy? We want to play concept. And then you remember. Uh, and then oh, I yeah. bought it. Um, and, now I don't need that friend now I don't anymore. Need that friend anymore. We can just strike him off the list. No, no, that's not what happens. Friends are friends forever. Uh, yeah, that's not true either. But no, anyways, it's, it's got to be better than. It's got to be a better reason to strike him off than I bought the game that I'm using him for. I don't need him anymore. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Concept, for those of you who don't know, uh, Concept is a game based on, I would say it's based on Pictionary or Charades, um, both equally. And it takes the idea of that, which to me the issue with Pictionary and Charades is always, I, I don't like acting in front of people. Uh, and I don't necessarily draw great in a hurry. Um, and so those are both fall downs for me because I can, I, I like trying to get the concept out there, right? But the means of transportation or means of, you know, information collecting is, or transmission is, is just wrong. Whereas concept puts it on a board. Concept right? has a board that has category icons. Yeah. And it even gives you a guide to the icons, too, which of I Of like. what it could be, what sort of. What it could of... be, but you're not stuck by those things. Uh, and this comes up with, this is, I would say in the last <laughs> 10 years, has become more of a staple in some games, or, or more of a trope in certain games, uh, of taking strategy out of the game and putting in interpretation. Right. Because we will talk about after this a little bit, uh, Mysterium and Dixit. Um, which we've talked about in the past. And these are all games that are not strategy-based. They're interpretation-based. So the whole idea of the game is to get somebody to think about what you're thinking about. So, um, for instance, with concept, if I put something down, I put the main concept is a movie. Yeah. And I put on the cold weather and a one on the white color. And then I put seven pips on the number and then sh the Snow short. White and the seven dwarves. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you sort of get the, okay, Snow White. Oh, seven, seven dwarves. There I'm glad, was, I, seven I'm glad I didn't jump on it because I was going to say, you know, cold weather, white, day after tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> no. But there's a, there's a lot of it. A lot of interpretation is also is how you know your friends think. Yeah. Now, we've, we've house ruled this one a bit, too. Um, because the way we played at the staff party this year was how I love playing. I think I think that's the better way to play. Uh, the natural ruling of it is I think you team up much like you do in charades, where you have to one person on your team tries to get your team to guess that concept. Oh, really? I Never think played that's like rules that. Is written. Uh, but the way we played was literally everybody sat around the table. You pass the buck. One person is the conceptualizer. Right or whatever you want to call them, 
they're the turn player. They do the concept. They're putting it out, and whoever can guess their concept gets the points. Gets the point, right? and then it moves to the next person in order. In order, yeah. so it doesn't have a. Uh, there's no randomization of who goes when. No, it's and you don't order. have to be doing well to get to give a concept either, which is right. nice. And when I brought it, I brought it to my uh, family Christmas with my parents, and I brought it out, and my mother. My dad wanted nothing to do with it. He's like, nope, it's not for me. It's not a game that I would enjoy. He's also colorblind, which makes the it pips makes a, little a little harder to difficult, yeah. figure things out. But as we were playing with my mother, my dad was still sitting at the table to spend time with us. Of course. But he started guessing. Yeah. He actually got a point. And he was then interested but the benefit to the colors is, is you can say this is a secondary concept yep. and it's this and that. and Yeah, I will say that it's not a very colorblind friendly game. No, and you could replace the pips with shapes. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it's harder when you're yep. colorblind to play a game it like is. that. Yep. I've also found a limitation is that there's probably a half a dozen to a dozen icons that are not on the board. Yeah, there there would be room for a secondary board on there, but I think that is also part of the challenge. Maybe, but there's things like in, out, on, under, which are not on there, which are very important concepts that you can't get with what's there. That's fair. Uh, like if you put on and then yellow, treasure, and water, you could get eventually on Golden Pond as a movie, yeah. But on is a really tough concept to piece together with other concepts. Yeah. It should be its own. That's fair. So there are some limitations there's, there's to some the game. There's some limitations. But again, that does take the, the difficulty level of the game up a bit. And so, I mean, I can't complain. Uh. No, but as, <laughs> as, a, as a mechanic, it is another one of those things that's relatively unknown. Yeah. It's not something that is a standard. I've never heard of one like it before. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like... The only things that are like it are games that have been around for a long time, like Charades and Pictionary, yeah. which are, you don't need the game to play these games. You can no. come up with this stuff on your own. Uh, and concept can go that way, too. You can start writing your own concepts, right? Um, and I don't know if that's in the rules it's written. It's not, should, but it you know, could If you want to go off script or whatever. But it's a game that doesn't need, really won't need a... a an expansion or anything. And I know there are some games where it feels like if you had these three expansions, the game is complete then. Yeah. This one is complete out of the boxes. The only in. benefit to an expansion um, for this would be new concepts. Yeah, it would be to figure out new concepts. But again, because the, the framework is there, you can just do your own thing. Um, and, and it could be adapted to do a holiday party. Mm -hmm. Like if you did an Easter theme or a Christmas theme or a Halloween theme, you could write all your own concepts and go from Absolutely. there. Yeah. So it's, it's very uh, versatile. It's very versatile. Um, very player friendly. Yes. Uh, I mean, my, my father-in-law sat down at the holiday party with us and played this one. Uh, and he seemed to enjoy it. And I don't see him as a big game play. Yeah. My person. mother, my mother tries to play games and she'll try different games that I bring because she wants to sort of be with the kids and wants yeah. to sort of not support us, but, you know, wants to be with wants us and do something. Yeah, you know. And I think she she had a hard time getting the hang of it. Yeah. But by the second time she had a turn, yeah. she had it down. It's yeah. not hard to... It's not a hard concept, <laughs> but it's, it's once really you, hard to do that without using the yeah, word concept. Once you get the hang, <laughs> once you get the hang of it, then it becomes a whole new game. Yeah, it becomes a second nature thing. Yeah, uh, and and I would say this is one I would try and get my mother to play. Uh, and my mother is dead set against playing anything that has strategy. Yeah, uh, to her that's not fun, uh, and so. She misses the purpose, and she knows that she kind of brings it down for everybody when she's not enjoying herself, and so she omits herself. Yeah. Um, you know, rightfully so, and and we appreciate. And my that dad does the same thing, right? And, and you know, there's a point where if you're not going to enjoy a game, you're going to bring it down for everybody else. Walk away. It's okay. Sit back. Enjoy watching. Um, <laughs> but my mom's always been like that with games. We had to force her into playing certain games with us when we were younger, and uh, God bless her. She tried. Uh, <laughs> well, my but mother. This is a game that I think I could get her on board with because, again, it's 
it, it's <laughs> conceptualizing, right? It's trying to get you to think what I'm thinking. There's no strategy involved, right? My mother used to uh, go to skiing lessons with us, and she hated it. And the year she turned 40, she said, I am 40 now. I am not doing anything I don't want to do. So getting her to play a game with us was virtually impossible because yeah. she didn't want to do it. But when the grandkids showed up and they liked to play games, she would re-examine. She would well. She liked <laughs> she liked to play uh, Mexican dominoes. Okay, like train. Yeah, and so the kids would go over there. It's highly underrated, by the way. It is. It's a good little <laughs> game. But they they played uh, they would play train for loonies on the end of the train. So the kids would walk away with like four or five bucks every time they go. played. So the kids were always raving to go play because they got money from grandma. Grandma made a big show about losing. And if grandma won, she took all the coins and they didn't get anything. It was a literal yep. reward little, for... little casino you uh, running Yeah, <laughs> little casino. No, they didn't pay anything in. Mom just had a stack of loonies somewhere. But the point was they, they played and they played legit. Like it wasn't she was throwing it and she wasn't like, ha ha, in your face, five-year-old, I kicked your butt. She doesn't care about that. But like there were legitimate rewards and consequences to play. So the kids learned to play games with her that way. Yeah, it's it's but, getting really bad playing Uno against Anderson because he's legitimately winning sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm having a hard time hiding it. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's it's tough to get some some people to a table, right? And that's you've got to find the right game. For yeah, and some of these games that we're talking about that aren't super competitive, they're more cooperative games. Yeah. Sometimes they're enough to push people who aren't gamers into gaming because they're like, oh, we're not fighting each other, we're working together. That's kind of cool because concept. Even though you are trying to beat the other people, you are working as everybody's a team. throwing ideas on the table, right? And you're feeding off each other because. I've done it where I've sat through an entire round and I'm so lost until somebody says that one thing that's like, yep, Indiana Jones. What? Yeah. <laughs> 100 ideas flying around the room and I just caught the right one at the yeah, right time. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. You're trying to get that light bulb. All uh, right, so what else we got? Mysterium and Dixit, very right. same idea as concept. Not in actual gameplay, but uh, it's that trying to get people to think what you're thinking. I love this as a theory for a game. Yeah. Um, we need more games like it. Um, I wish I was smart enough to come up with ideas like that. Uh, Mysterium and Dixit, both based on Dixit, which is a French game. Uh, and it uses iconography again. It's it's taking these kind of, not kind of, these very abstract photos, right, or pictures, paintings, paintings yeah. uh, pieces of art, that are on these cards, you draw them at random, and you have to get somebody to think what you're thinking. Now, Dixit is fun the other way um, because you're trying to only get so many people on the same page as you. You don't want to make it too easy. Uh, and Dixit, I relate to Balderdash, right. um, which we talked about off, off mic a little while ago. Um, because you're taking the idea, you're looking at your card and trying to get people to buy into what you're saying. But not too much, because you don't want to make it too easy where everybody gets it, because then you get nothing. Uh, and I think that's a beautiful design into a game, by the way, is the, you know, there's the total cop-out of trying to use, well, you know, it has a bird on it, bird of a feather. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, it's that one. You know, if everybody gets it, you lose. <laughs> you got to stump somebody, but get everybody else. Yeah. Um, and then from the other, and it's got legitimate gameplay from the other side, right? It's not your turn, but you play in trying to steal those votes from people. Um, you know, that's very much a, a Balderdash game. And then Mysterium is the same idea, but it puts it in the skin of Clue. Yeah. Um, trying to find the murderer and the who, where, and what, right? Yeah. Um, which you introduced me to Mysterium. And, and I love when our conversation starts out with, I have this thing you're going to love. <laughs> <laughs> and that one goes both ways. Okay, Wait till you try this, this thing, one. You're going to love it. <laughs> yeah. And it usually means there's something under your arm that we have to sit down and play, um, which is just the greatest part of my job. Uh, but yeah, Mysterium, same idea. It's that bring it to the table. It's the unique mechanic taking the mechanic of Clue, but molding it with this abstract abstract thing that Dixit had. Um, and it... Makes for a phenomenal game. I, I don't particularly care for Clue that much. 
personally. It's not a bad game. It's just one that doesn't get my juices going. I used to love Clue, so I, I, people stopped playing Clue with me because I was really, really good at it. Um, and and I so just, I'd be like, I get frustrated by having answers but not being able to get to the right places. Right. Um, and struggling with, I mean, you struggle with it too. Wheat and Dice Syndrome once in a while. Um, once in your, a while. Your WDS kicking in and and you have all the answers but you can't get to the room you need, right? And, and yeah. people are running faster and... It's just frustrating to me sometimes that a luck element can totally boggle your game out um, and not even give you a chance, right? And the fact that so. the secret doors go from one corner of the house to the opposite corner of the house in one step, that, that always irritated me. Yeah. But anyways, that's neither here yeah. nor there. That's, that's Clue, though. Uh, that's Clue. And, and Clue, again, not a bad game, just one that personally I don't get excited about. Well, there's a lot of those Golden Age games that, were really great when we were kids because we didn't know any better. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even that we were children. It's that there was nothing else to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Now that we're having a, uh, a renaissance of board gaming, uh, the old ones just there's can't so stand available. up. Yeah, and there's uh, most of the old games don't hold up. I even stopped collecting Monopolies because <sighs> I just can't care anymore. <laughs> Nobody's going to play my Monopoly with me, so, you know. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> my secret, my my house super house rule monopoly game, which I'm not at liberty to discuss. But anyways, uh, so what do we got after that? Uh, you had mentioned Euro Rails. Uh, Euro Rails is an interesting one because it is a one of the first load delivery systems. You got a card, you travel to that city, you pick up a load, you deliver to the city that wants it, which is made super easy at least route-wise, in Ticket to Ride. However, in Eurorails, you have to purchase every foot of land and you draw it on a dot grid with crayon. So on the board itself, you use a wax crayon and you take a line from Zagreb to Moscow. And they want oranges. You can get oranges to thing. So you have to buy the stuff sell the stuff, build the lines. You can rent other people's lines to use if they go touch yours and get to a place that you can't normally get to if you don't want to spend the extra money to build the rails. You can rent your rails to other people to do the same thing. You can increase your locomotive size. You can increase your locomotive speed. It's, it is the genesis of all train games is Euro Rails. It came out in the 90s. Yeah. And it was one of the first Mayfair games I ever purchased. And Mayfair has kind of gone by the wayside. Too. It has, but sadly, because they have some... Know, they but they were either really strong titles amazing there. or awful. There was yeah. hit and miss. There was no middle of the road. Yeah, I've got a couple of their not great hits. Um, and it's just that. it's. Uh, I was hoping as a Mayfair this was going to be good, but it is what it is. And and it's all over the board, too. It's, yeah. it's you know piece quality to game quality to you know and it's it's everywhere i've got mayfair being where Catan was parked and for a long time for a long time before it became its own thing yeah Um, i have the xanth game xanth is a series that written by piers anthony it's a series of books okay and this game is an absolute love letter to those books however if you don't know those books inside and out, <laughs> the game means nothing to you. you. It's completely useless. And the mechanic is not great. The win conditions are like, do one thing and you're done. So you can set up this whole board and you can be done in five minutes or you can be done in an hour. It all depends. Like, it's just, it's not well set up. However, I like it because I'm a huge fan of the books. So I can play it. Because I understand all the stuff without having to dig into the rules or read twenty five books. Yeah, there's buy in there. There's buy in already, but it's it's not a good game in any other stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's that's a that's a bit of a concern with a lot of games being pigeonholed into exactly what it is, right? If you're not into it, you're not into it, right? I I prefer to have games that are a little more open. Right? Yeah, and, and that you don't need you don't need a history to be able to play. Yeah, I don't have to call a specific group of friends together. We can just play with whoever's here. Um, I think wrapping out our list will be uh, Sheriff Nottingham Snake Oil again. Uh, more social economy. It's a. It's not. 
it's not just social economy. This falls under the games that we've had a discussion about before that are the must have the right group of friends. Yeah. To play. Um, because they're both talking yeah. games. They require you to chat your way through. You gotta you gotta bluff, you gotta chat, you gotta lie, you gotta sell. Any of the games that you can't just roll and say, I succeeded. It's like role-playing game without the dice. Yeah. You have to do the thing. Yeah, you you can't... Yeah, you've really... I mean, Sheriff is played best with a role-playing group. Yeah. Um, if you've role-played, done some heavy RP role-playing games with people uh, or with this group, then you definitely get the most buyout of what you're doing. Uh, because you're not afraid to be theatrical and and play the part and and totally lean into your BS um, or or lack thereof. <laughs> we right? have Which is we, also another thing. we've talked briefly about Seiko before. You get a couple of random cards. You put them together. You have a product. You have to sell that product. Yep. The person with the best sales pitch wins. Yep. Sheriff of Nottingham, you are coming into Nottingham and you have to tell the sheriff what's in your bag of goods and if he doesn't believe you then he's going to search your bag yeah. and if it's exactly what's in there then you're fine if not you get your you can go to jail i think i haven't played in a long time well you you play uh you pay a fine you pay a fine yeah. for trying to sneak things in under contraband yeah. so and if he and if he searches you without reason yeah right and or it searches you and he's wrong then he pays you a fine yeah Right, um, kind of has to hush you out and, and that kind of yeah. thing, right? So you can play it as you know. Oh, I have nothing in my bag. Please, I just have two chickens. Yeah. By all means, you can look if you'd like. I fully admit it's two chickens, yeah. and it's actually two chickens. And he goes, "Yeah, I think you got two chickens. Go ahead." If it's two, I don't apples. know, two apples, yeah. and he says, "Go ahead," then you've bluffed him. But if you have two chickens, you go, "Nope." There's only two chickens in there. Really, I would not lie to you. It's only two chickens. And he goes, I don't think you're telling the truth. And he opens up. You've now got gold off of him because you've tricked him into searching your bag. And he may not search it the next time. But here's the thing. Sheriff becomes a different player every round. So you have to keep trying to get the right people to listen to how people are talking. Well, and that's, yeah, it seems like... It a seems game. like a, such an easy game, but well, it's it really not. Well, it seems like a game where you can be a little laid back about pay, about the attention you're paying, right? Um, and I've stood by it. Good games require you to pay attention for most of the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, you want to, you've bought into what the game is, into the concept. You want to be a part of what's going on. You want to understand the game as a whole. Uh, and how it's playing out. And Sheriff is definitely an example of needing to be bought in for the whole thing. Because you paying attention to the guy beside you dealing with the Sheriff is going to make more make it more helpful, number one, when he's the Sheriff, and number two, when you're the Sheriff. Yeah. Right? And so being able to kind of play people's read that way, you know, definitely plays into your your strategy in the game and how you're going to play somebody and what side of the coin you want to kind of lean into, right? Are you going to try and be tricky? Are you going to play a bluff? Or are you going to yeah. just walk straight in and tell them what's what? And there's valid points to all of them. It's about reading who you're playing against, yeah. right? Which is why it's so important to have people who are into the theatric, who will buy into the... Uh, theatric really is the word. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, the got, it's got to be big. The role, um, and make the make your character a big character. I love that they put kind of these very specific tropey characters in. You know, you've got the big, big baker guy, and you know, he's kind of fat and jo- you know jovial. You can play into that a bit. You got kind of the snaky looking guy um, who just he. You know, well, I'm this guy, and I, I always look shifty. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. <laughs> you know? And you can also bluff several times and then do it straight. And, and then like go so. absolutely straight. Yeah. Yep. It leaves so many options to the way you want to play it. Um, Any it other... makes you extremely stressed out when you're the sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> Any other honorable mentions? I don't think I have many. That's that's Those are the ones that I get definitely super excited about as we made the list was like yeah these are mechanics i'm excited about these are things i'm excited about uh we didn't talk too much about like 
games that have pieces that I'm really excited about, but there is one kind of 90s game that I'm looking at behind you. 13 Dead End 13 Drive. 13 Dead End Drive. Uh, just the build on that. Which is, was the, the upgraded fun. version of uh, Mousetrap. Yeah. Yeah, to build a 3D thing. Yeah. Um, I Just because I happen to have the benefit of looking at the wall of games <laughs> while talking to you, one we did not pull out was my new favorite game, which is Point. Flashpoint. Yeah. Which everybody works has together. Really good pieces too. It's really good pieces, yeah. and it's really good mechanic where you have to work together to put out fires, and the fire is an automatic roll mechanic. Yeah. Well, and the urgency in that game is very real. Yeah, um, um, we have a friend of ours. She's like, I don't want to play that game. That's very stressful. <laughs> I was anxious the it whole time. It was very stressful. <laughs> and the other one is an honorable mention. I'm going to go with Tiny Villages. Tiny Towns. Or Tiny Towns. Tiny Towns, yeah. Uh, super good mechanic in that. It's uh, a really interesting mechanic where you have a finite amount of The game of tricks land. you the first time you play yeah. it. Yeah. And I've only played it the once. And, yeah, and me too. It was when we played it. and the, But the first play, the game tricked me because you kind of downplay, or, or the mechanic <laughs> of it kind of downplays the severity of, of managing your space properly. Right, it's all about well, you need this point build, and so based on these, you know, things you're building, you want to get as many points as possible, and it really doesn't lean you into well, make sure you manage your space properly because you can screw yourself really easy in this the, game. The way the game works is you have a five by five grid. I think it's a five. By I think five. it's five, it's five, by, five by five or grid. six by six, and you have to place resources yeah. in specific patterns. So it's kind of like a Tetris. Yeah. Once you place that pattern, it shrinks into a specific building somewhere on that path. And that building has an attribute. To it has an attribute um, which gives and those you are, points. Those or, are buildings. The buildings are community buildings. Uh, they're true for everybody except yeah. for your. Fortress, especially have a special, special one. building, but the right. point is the resources are not exactly finite, but you can't just pick whatever resource you want every round. When it's your turn to be the builder, you pick the resource you want, and then everybody, everybody gets one of those resources. Yeah. So you can very quickly box yourself into a corner by trying to put resources in. There's patterns on cards which say you have to put. A glass, a stone, a wood, and a stone in an L pattern like uh, like a Tetris yeah. piece. Once you get all those put into place, it shrinks down into a house. Yeah. Now, I feel like for myself, this was a game that I had an inherent strength for. Played a lot I'm of Tetris, not... did you? What's that? Played a lot of Tetris. A ton of Tetris, actually. Um, but the, the inherent strength uh, for me comes from... I'm... Try not to sound full of myself. I, it's, it's really bad. I tend to feel like I have more of a skill for dealing with whatever comes my way, right? When it comes to long game strategy, I struggle a little bit because when things start to go off the rails on that strategy, I have a hard time recovering, right? Right. So I can make these really good long game strategies, but the minute somebody else has a control over it and starts messing with things, I, I have a hard time adapting that strategy when it's not going my way. But this is a game that's based completely... From the get-go, you know you got to deal with whatever you're getting. Right? And so I don't strategize this one. I get one thing going at a time. This is the one I want to build. Right? I want to get this thing done. I have to deal with whatever else comes my way. So as I'm getting those resources, I, you just have to look at the game as a whole, at, the, at your yep. um, build line, your community cards, which change every time. Uh, and take it as it comes and be like, okay, I can make that. I can make that, but that doesn't really do anything. But at least it makes something. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> otherwise you're just killing your own space. Yeah, right? you just put resources um, on every block and know, then you can't do anything. And I, I cornered myself in a bad way not understanding a simple mechanic of one of the cards and or just misunderstanding it or yeah. misinterpreting it. Uh, and then, like, later in the game, you get that classic, oh, somebody actually knows the rule and pointed it out because they thought everybody got it and half of us didn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which which happens. Oh, yeah. That, uh, like a doodle dungeon where we yeah, made a exactly. major it gets error. Overlooked, and... Right. 
But I think I came in like second or third when we played. Something like that. But that really wasn't the point. It's just it was a new game that we were testing out. We were trying out. And I, but I thoroughly enjoyed the whole thing. It was one of those games where I can have had a great time and still have lost the game. And for all of you, I'm sorry. I just lost the game. Uh, (laughs) Well played. That was good. (laughs) To our 10 listeners. Well done. <laughs> there are a couple others, but I think we'll save that for another time. We will save that for another time. And so those are, you know, again, games that mostly games that have good mechanics that we were that we've been impressed by. Some that have you know pieces in the game that we're impressed by that were you know good quality. I think that wraps us up. If you've got your own, again, put it in the comments and tell us, and we'll maybe come back around to it and. Add in a few that we hadn't thought of. Absolutely. This will probably come back up again for mechanics that we've missed. Uh, we'll we'll start the list going in the back of our heads and on the uh, on the cardstock. I'm so sure that... there will be a text message later tonight. Oh, we forgot. I've already got one, but we're already <laughs> at times. Well, that wraps it up for this topic. However, the list of topics is ever-growing. So if you have a show idea or a topic you think we should discuss, please send it to Christian at FrugalDutchman.com. Or join us on Facebook, TFDATC. That's the Frugal Dutchman at the counter. So join us once again. We're Nerdy Isn't Dirty. It's a badge of honor. For Christian, I'm Marcus. For Marcus, I'm Christian. And we'll see you at the counter. counter.